This is No BS Job Search Advice Radio, episode 1971. I'm Jeff Alton, the Big Game Hunter, and welcome. We're on the countdown to episode 2000. It is Sunday. I thought I'd bring out one of my old shows from my since discontinued podcast, Job Search Radio. This is an early interview that I did, and um, it's very different than how the show evolved. I just went into a quick introduction, did a job search insider tip, and then from there went into an interview. So it's it's not a mature format, to say the least. And I was a little stiff back in those days because this is a new thing for me to do interviews. And if you listen to some of my interviews now, I'm very different. And my guest here, Gabe Heilig, is someone who I knew, I knew from work that I've done with uh, an international men's organization and met him that way and then discovered he was a resume writer with a unique situation. He was the one resume writer allowed to set up offices in the Pentagon. Catch that one, folks. So he worked with military leaders for years, has a perspective on resume writing that I think is important. Um, I hope you find the show helpful. Hope you give it a great review. I also want to ask you one thing. If you have ideas for what I should do for episode 2000, because it's coming up fast, it's less than a month from now, uh, drop me a quick note. And the easiest way to send it is thebiggamehunter at gmail.com. I really would appreciate any advice you offer. I've got a couple of ideas, but I want to involve all of you. And now, let's get going, okay? My job search insider tip for this show is about salary negotiation. Frankly, I've run into a lot of situations recently where people have become emotionally involved in their salary negotiations way too much. They, you know, they're thinking like $500 or $1,000 is life and death in their dealings and lose sight of the fact that they may be gaining or, or losing something with an offer um, that's far more important. So, for example, some people uh, are going to have an opportunity to work in areas with much lower taxes or get home much more quickly and watch their families grow up or spend time in the summer barbecuing. I don't know what dollar value you may put on that, but for some folks, that's an important deal. So my encouragement to you is don't get caught up in in raging about a lowball offer if there is one. Uh, Focus more on the total package uh, of what the benefits are, what benefit you'll get out of it uh, with your family, and, of course, take money into consideration as well. Kind of like in, in the Godfather movies, and I've always loved those movies, and I'm not going to go into why today, but I'll just simply say there's a one line that I think is very worthwhile here, and that is, it's business. It's not personal. So that's my tip for this week. I want to introduce my guest, who's Gabe Highlight. Gabe is a writer and career coach who's won a nationwide RFP to open the only commercial resume firm ever given a lease to do business in the Pentagon. He served the defense and intelligence community since 1993 and specializes in mid-career and executive level resumes. He's helped over 5,300 professionals advancing their careers. Gabe, welcome to Job Search Radio. Great to have you on. Jeff, thank you very much. Good to be here. Thank you. So, Gabe, 
What's the most common mistake that you see people make with their resumes? Ah, uh, people suffer, uh, and almost all of us suffer from this, from what I call resume blindness, where we, because the resumes we write are all about ourselves and everything that goes into it is information about ourselves, we tend to get lost in our own information. And we forget entirely that the resume is not for us. It's not a self-esteem instrument. It's not there to, to make us feel better about ourselves. It's for someone else who doesn't know us, more than likely. And, and the purpose of the resume is to help that person make a decision. And if you can think about it that way and sort of reverse engineer your approach to your resume, then I think you've got a much better chance of constructing a resume that, that doesn't have huge blind spots all over it. We you mean really people shouldn't that. bask in their own magnificence when they write this resume? Uh, you and your grandmother can do that. <laughs> uh, but the guy Only if your grandmother's trying to hire you. <laughs> exactly. You know, the, the person who's going to receive your resume is not interested in how wonderful you think you are. Uh, believe me, uh, people who do this, as you said a moment ago, this is business. This is not about how wonderful you are. This is about do you have the experience and I would say the troubleshooting skills because in this economy there's plenty of trouble. Do you have the troubleshooting skills that can help an employer solve the problems he's got? That's what your resume needs to be about. And to demonstrate that uh, in a reasonable length period of time, uh, mm-hmm. without going into too much detail, but enough to whet their appetite. Is yes, that what, that's what right. you would do, Gabe? Yeah. Yes, that's exactly right. And uh, many of the resumes that I see, Jeff, uh, all tend to begin the same way, and it's very unfortunate. People will, the, the top third of the first page of the resume is the most important part of anybody's resume because it's the first place a stranger will look to see what's this guy all about. And what most people do, and I've seen thousands of homegrown attempts at resumes, what most people do is they have what they call a summary of qualifications and they start praising themselves, superior communication skills, excellent leadership skills. I've even seen people describe themselves as having visionary leadership skills. Uh, and I saw on that one this like week that. too, Gabe. Pardon me? I, I saw another visionary this week as well. I, I, oh, in, in the military, that's become sort of the go-to word. Somebody solves a problem, he becomes a visionary leader. Well, <laughs> you know, it's like everybody's middle name is Isaiah. So, uh, you know, what many people do is they they create this, they do two things. They they start praising themselves as though someone else has never seen these words before, superior, excellent, uh, you know, and, and, and the problem, of course, is that everyone's resume tends to begin that way. So it's all a wash. It all adds up to nothing. And in the meantime, all you are doing is communicating your opinion of yourself, but you are not providing any evidence. There's no information whatsoever. It's just your opinion. 
And an employer understands, hey, of course this guy's going to think he's terrific, but I'm the guy who needs to decide how terrific he is, and he's not giving me any evidence. So when I, when I write resumes for people, my approach is I will be very, very sparing in my use of adjectives to describe someone. In fact, I have even have clients uh, who, when they look at their resume, they get this kind of glum look on their face. And I asked this fellow, what's the problem? He said, well, you didn't use any of those words. I said, well, what words are you talking about? He said, you know, like excellent and superior. And so I had to explain to him <laughs> what I'm trying to explain here, that uh, you and your grandma can bask in your glow of how wonderful you believe you are, and you, in fact, may be wonderful. The problem is a stranger doesn't know that until you have convinced him, and simply saying it is not very convincing. My I'm a minimalist as well, Gabe. Uh, I uh -huh. like direct statements, uh, pointed comments about role responsibilities, accomplishments, achievements, things along those lines, rather than those, you know, every resume says these, every LinkedIn profile says these. And once you start deleting those terms, the statements have far more power than with them. Right, right. Plus, what I do is I'll make a few statements in boldface type, and I'll make statements, complete sentences, not just little phrases. I'll say perhaps, uh, you know, accomplished public speaker, okay? I'll make a claim, but I'll only make the claim if I can immediately, and I will, back it up with an example or a piece of evidence. So if I say about someone, uh, frequent uh, public speaker, then I'll back it up by saying uh, invited to deliver six uh, keynote addresses to chambers of commerce around the country in the last eight months. That's a piece of evidence that substantiates the claim. If I don't have the evidence, I don't make the claim because no one's going to believe just the claim. Just like uh, people, the, the other thing people do on the top third of their resume uh, and I saw this on someone's resume just the other day. He had a list of skills. People will list their skills. This guy had about 24 skills he listed. Well, you know, uh, unless you think you're Superman, uh, you know, it, it all tends to uh, run together like a, a kid making a, a finger painting where he mushes all the colors together. Uh, if you want something to stand out, like red or brown, or blue, you need to differentiate it from everything else. If you have a list of uh, 18 skills, uh, people can't put that together in their heads. And you have not provided any evidence. What, what I do is I try to show, I don't list the skills, I try to embed them in a little example so that the reader can see how the skill actually was used. That's what they want to know is, what can you do for me? Just telling me you're terrific at this, that, and the other thing doesn't do anything for me. It doesn't show me what kinds of problems you know how to solve, and therefore it doesn't give me any confidence that you can solve my problems. And, and what you're talking about, Gabe, is so true. You know, and I'll, I'll, I'll state the one exception about that skills list uh, is the convention in IT is yes, to yes, have that skills list. Right. But in right. every other Those field, are 
yeah, those are named skills. You know, I'm, I know C++, I know Oracle, whatever. Right. And that's the one place where that convention makes sense, because the list is fairly long, uh, and no one has the expectation that that person knows everything about everything listed there, but their expectation is if you're listing all the software that you have experience with, the early ones are the ones that you have your greatest strength with, with. and as you get later in the list, there's less capability. But every other place to have a, a list of, you know, 18, 20 things that you claim to be expert in, um, again, dilutes the message that you're trying to convey. Yeah, it, it also raises, Jeff, another point, which is that um, you do not, in your resume, want to come across as Wonder Woman or Superman. Be, and the reason is no one wants to hire Wonder Woman or Superman and the reason for that is, if, I, if, you come, if I'm looking at your resume, and I see Jeff Altman has done all this terrific stuff, and just it's like there's almost nothing in this field he hasn't done, and, and he's applying to me for a job, my response, I'm not going to tell him this, but inside, my thinking is going to be, uh-uh, this guy is too strong. He's going to run right over me and grab the promotion I've been waiting to apply for. I'll let somebody else hire Superman. So what I try to do is to position my clients using a profile or a silhouette of this person is really a skilled troubleshooter. And, and here are the kinds of problems they have solved, the projects they have managed, the projects they have rescued when they were headed in the wrong direction. That's a skill that almost everyone wants to have on their corporate team. It's a little bit... Dave, like I know you do a lot of work for people who are either coming out of the military or have defense expertise. When yeah. you're speaking about that, are you referring to those people primarily, or is that true of the population at large? Oh, I think, I think that's a very transferable skill, and uh, I, I can give you a an example, if you like. Um, I'd love that. Thank you. Oh, okay. Uh, I had a colonel come to me uh, about 15 years ago in the Pentagon. His name was John, and he was an Army colonel. And uh, if, if you read, your listeners know about the military, if you get to be a colonel, uh, someone has decided you've got really strong leadership skills, and they they notice you early in your career, and they give you a whole uh, a whole gamut of assignments. You might be up on Capitol Hill for two years defending the Army's budget. Then you might be, in, in as this Colonel John was, uh, flying around Micronesia doing humanitarian relief operations uh, for islands where typhoons had devastated the, uh, the communities. So he, he came to me, I wrote up his resume, and I write resumes about results people have produced. I don't write about the job descriptions. I write about what they turn those jobs into by dint of their abilities and because of the nature of the problems that came along when they were in those assignments. So the very first job John applied for was to be the assistant general manager of a water district, a public utility uh, near San Diego. And 
he had no background in this whatsoever. He, he was not a nautical or hydraulic engineer. He had never worked in a public utility. But Sounds like a perfect fit so far, Gabe. <laughs> there you go. And, but, he, you know, he spotted this ad in some uh, journal of county and municipal employees with those quarter-page uh, ads for jobs, and he sent out his resume. And he comes charging back into my office about three and a half weeks later says, Gabe, let me tell you what happened. So he pulls out the folder with this, this job uh, in Vista, California, near San Diego. He says, they got 1,217 resumes for this job. He said, my resume made it to the final 15. And he and I looked at each other, Jeff, like, how did that happen? <laughs> because he had absolutely no technical qualifications to do this work whatsoever. But what he had was what any colonel would have and what I'm sure many of your listeners have, which is the ability to solve problems and to produce effective results. And that's what his resume was about. And, and my speculation is that the people on the screening panel at this water district uh, who were receiving resume after resume from uh, managers of water districts and hydraulic engineers and so on probably decided, you know, we've got all these resumes from guys who are great hydraulic engineers. This guy, he doesn't have any of that, but he can sure flat out manage. And they just found it impossible to throw his resume away. So the, the ability, the, the sheer ability to produce results in situations where results matter is itself a skill, and it's a skill that transcends almost any field. Uh, and I, and I want to make a comment to your listeners about the word results, because on many people's resumes, Jeff, I see people using the word accomplishments. An accomplishment is qualitatively different and is understood to be different than a result. An I'm fascinated by this, Gabe. Please, please go into this. I appreciate it. Okay, good. Because when, when somebody writes about, these are my accomplishments, they're talking about themselves. I did these wonderful things. And the employer is sitting there thinking, yeah, 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 that's great. What can you do for me? I don't need somebody who, who does all kinds of accomplishments. That's personal. That's your personal accomplishment. That's nice. But what can you do for me? A result is different than an accomplishment. If I tell you I accomplished this and I accomplished that, that's all about me, what I did. If I tell you about a result I produced, that's about the organization I produced the result for. And that speaks to an employer, a prospective employer, because he can extrapolate, well, if he produced those results for these guys, he can probably produce some results for me. So to, to clarify my confusion, because I am a little confused about the difference, and perhaps others will be as well, and I hear you say accomplishment is self-focused, results is, is entity-focused. If someone were saying increased sales by 23%, is that an accomplishment or a result? Ah, it's, it's both. But the, my point, you know, it, you're asking exactly the right question, Jeff, because 
things that people list as their accomplishments are, in fact, often results they produced. But they don't, the context in which they're holding it is, this is me. This is what I produced. The context in which the reader, the prospective employer, is looking at this is, where are some results you can produce for me? I don't care about your accomplishments. You know, it sort of, it, it colors the whole thing differently. It's the same fact. I increased sales by 23%. But if you point it out as, as a result, the employer can relate to it. So if, if, for example, someone starts off by describing the situation they walked into and then says increase sales by 23%, that yes. gets perceived more as a result. Yes, right? but I, I wouldn't call it an accomplishment. It certainly is an accomplishment. But again, the resume is not for you. You're, it doesn't actually matter whether you like your own resume or not because it's not for you. It's for someone who's never met you who has to make a very complex series of decisions. The boss has drafted a few people to read a pile of 731 resumes that just came in last Thursday. And out of those 731 resumes, maybe half a dozen people have to be interviewed. And so the people who are drafted for this assignment, and believe me, people are drafted for this. They don't volunteer. When the boss says, I need uh, two, two or three people to read these 800 resumes, everybody looks away. <laughs> Nobody wants to have eye contact with the boss at that moment. Because you know? this is a, a difficult thing to do. When people apply for jobs, usually they are qualified. And so the, the person with the decision to make has a very complex task. On the one hand, they have to deselect, and they will want to deselect, as many resumes as rapidly as they can just to cut down their their workload and, and the number of people they can actively and effectively think about. I'm going to pause you there one second. Sure. So folks, just recognize that the first step in the process is the process of elimination. Who seems to have done the poorest job in demonstrating their fit for a role so we can easily eliminate them? For many of you, you call that the black hole. For me, most of the time, what that is is you haven't done as strong a job as someone else in demonstrating that you can do this job. Now, Gabe, please continue. Right. Yeah. And and in fact, I mean, you've hit on a really important point because the what people who are reading piles of resumes instinctively start doing is they start pigeonholing and stereotyping the people whose resumes they're looking at and start stereotyping and pigeonholing them as quickly as they can so that uh, they can eliminate that person. Because at the beginning of the task, they're trying to just whittle down the pile to a, a manageable size that they can actually think about. They, it, people don't read resumes. They skip and they scan. Uh, nobody reads a resume from the first word to the last word in order the way you would read a John Grisham thriller. <laughs> you know, this is, this is like looking at a bunch of billboards on the highway. Some catch your attention, some do not. And, and, you know, all the studies that have been done by outplacement firms like Challenger and so on indicate that the average length of time a resume is initially 
looked at is somewhere about 10 to 12 seconds. That's not a lot of time to have your career and aspirations, uh, you know, being thought about by somebody. You know, so something has to come off the page pretty quickly to capture someone's attention uh, and just yammering at them, saying, I'm great, I'm great, I'm great, look at my list of skills, that is not an effective way to do it, in part because that's what everybody else does. So if you do that, your resume looks like everybody else's, in which case it, it all turns to, to like marshmallow jam inside the reader's mind. It's, it's all a big uh, mush. It is so true. Uh, and you speak about 10 to 12 seconds. Uh, I, I was away for two days at the end of last week uh, at a conference and came back to over 500 emails in my inbox. I've yet to get through all of them because more keep coming in. And that's the predicament for a hiring manager as well. How much time can you really spend? And I know for myself, six, ten seconds. I'm just looking for something that vaguely fits what I'm looking for, and most resumes don't even do that. Even if I use uh, that function in Microsoft Word, where you can use the drop-down, it says edit, find, and I'm looking for keywords in there. Mm -hmm. So often, I'm not even finding the keywords for a job. It's ridiculous. So yes, you're right. Uh, we're all doing quick scans of resumes to look for something that vaguely fits. And if we don't, delete. And then, uh, again, we're, we're scanning six, maybe 10 seconds, 15 tops. Uh, so and then my we way move of on to a different one. Yeah, my way of going at it, Jeff, is to, I know that. I know that people who read piles of resumes are a in a very rapid decision-making mode, and B, they are very skeptical and suspicious that everybody's trying to con them, inflate the verbiage, just use a lot of verbiage, not evidence. So what I do is I try to capture the reader's attention by making a declarative statement about my client's skills in some area and then immediately back it up with a piece of evidence so that the reader begins to realize, hey, this guy's not conning me, he's not BSing me, he's actually showing me what he did, and he has a fair right to make a claim that he's an accomplished public speaker because, look, the, all these chambers of commerce have invited him to give speeches. You know, And then I'll do that two or three times, and my intent is to take away from the resume screener their skepticism. So the first thing I'm trying to do is to weaken their, their skeptical uh, posture and get them to at least a little bit trust what they're reading, that, you know, hey, this is, I, I actually did these things. Once they trust the resume, even a little, they begin to have more respect for you because they know they're not feeling very trusting. And, and for you to get them to feel a little more trust that's already an accomplishment. You've produced a result in their process. And, and so now they're going to get more engaged, and maybe they won't read it now. They might put it aside to read later, but at least you've gotten past first base. Great tip. Uh, and, and just to be clear, in case my members of my audience are not grammarians, when you say a declarative statement, you're, uh, I think the easiest way to define that would be, uh, define that would be as a, a statement of what you, someone believes is a fact. 
Uh, so it, it's a direct statement about what you've done, and then you're backing that up uh, with something that defines that in some way. Yes, that's right. I mean, I'm trying to exemplify the statement by saying, look, here's how I have done that. And give it, I mean, the more concrete the details are in your resume, the more believable your resume becomes. If you say, I'm a great public speaker, nobody knows what that means. If you say, I gave eight speeches uh, in the last six months, luncheon speeches to chambers of commerce, that's very specific. Very true. Uh, I want to see if you can offer a tip to the ex-military people who might be listening or the veterans uh, who might be listening, something that might be specifically geared for them, if there is something unique to that population? Well, one, one trait that, that is widely misunderstood and underappreciated among veterans, not by them, but by civilians who would be considering to, to hire them, is that uh, up and down the chain of command, uh, even someone who's been in the, the service for three years, almost every soldier, airman, marine, sailor has a strong work ethic, and and is uh, you know it, it's a culture of accountability. And so these guys are and women are used to operating in fast-paced environments, and you can provide examples of that. They're used to dealing with multiple situations at the same time. Many of these guys would make terrific uh, chief of staff or uh, a work coordinator because they're often doing that in the military. So the idea becomes to demonstrate those experiences that they've had in order right. to get a, someone who doesn't know, a civilian personality. Right, right. I mean, right the skills are transferable. Um, of course. Almost always. I mean, if you're a, a tank gunner, well, that's not a skill that's too transferable. Um, fortunately, we don't have too many tanks rumbling around the streets of Philadelphia and New York. But, Thank um, you know, many other skills are transferable. The ability to assign tasks to people and to make sure they get them done. If you're a sergeant, that's what you're doing all day long. Beautiful. So I want to summarize some of the points that you've made here uh, on today's show uh, so that the audience gets it clearly summarized. And one thing you spoke about right off the bat was forgetting about the adjectives. No one except your grandma cares. Uh, statements uh, in boldface and then backing them up uh, to, to talk about producing results. So you may make a, a statement about uh, how you've given speeches and then you back it up with a supporting statement. The resumes are kind of like billboards on a highway to attract your attention, but they're not really the thing that gets you hired, of course. Um, and I was about to repeat the declarative statement and backing it up with, with um, uh, a supporting statement. But then the, the ones that you made very clearly for the military people are you know, emphasizing the work ethic, the culture of accountability, uh, the fast-paced environments, 
uh, that you've worked in, if you've been in roles where you've assigned uh, tasks to people, uh, coordinated their work, uh, those are good points to emphasize in your civilian resume. Yes. Are, yes. are there any other major items that um, I might have missed that you'd want to add in? Well, um, boy, there's so much. <laughs> just pick one more. How's that? Let me just say this, that, you know, Ernest Hemingway once made the comment, I think he made it many times, he said, you know, uh, I know all the big words, I just choose not to use them. And Hemingway was known for writing in clear, declarative, simple English in a very subtle and sophisticated way. What I try to do, I'm not Hemingway, but what I try to do in these resumes is not to use these long, jargony words, you know, uh, visionary leadership and all this stuff. I try to use simple English to describe actual events with concrete facts that lead or led to actual specific results. If you can do that, you can you can create an effective presentation of your skills. It's not about some secret mantras or power words. It's about you. And in fact, if you use simple, clear English, readers find that refreshing because this whole process is about getting inside the thinking process of the person who's got to make a decision. Do we interview these five people or those eight hundred? Who are we going to interview? They have a decision to make, the tough decision. And inside their minds, they're not thinking in polysyllabic words. They're thinking in little short words and shorthand, like, uh-uh, this ain't going to work. Uh, this guy, he's full of himself. You know, that's how we all think. That's how readers think. So if you can present your information in a clear way, and not rely on fancy words, but on actual facts, you will have taken a long step forward toward getting the vote of one of these screeners. Beautiful. What a, a great way to, uh, to encapsulate this interview. Gabe, how could someone reach you if they'd like you to, to work on their resume or for other types of coaching advice? Sure. Uh, I actually do not at this point have a website and I've done that uh, quite deliberately uh, because I would rather people call me or email me this is a personal service it's like asking someone to uh, paint a portrait of your daughter you know you it's it's a personal service it's not something you can just do with pixels flying around uh, I like to meet people or at least talk to them on the phone uh, I'll give you my phone number. My phone number is 240-247-0055. That's 240-247-0055. My email address is my name, Gabe, G-A-B-E, at I-D-E-A-D-E-S-I-G-N, Idea Design, as though it was one word, so it's Gabe at Idea Design, and then a hyphen, and then DC.com. Gabe, G-A-B-E, at Idea Design, hyphen, DC.com. I answer my own phone, and I answer my emails. 
So that's today's show. I hope you found it helpful. And if you did, here are a few ways to optimize your job search and get better results. First of all, visit my website, thebiggamehunter.us. Go to the blog and go exploring. There's just a lot there to help you in the blog. And if you want to take my class on interviewing, it's called the Ultimate Job Interview Framework. It's available on Udemy. Uh, it's U-D-E-M-Y. Or you can just use this link, thebiggamehunter.us forward slash interviews and order my class there. It's very inexpensive. Like, 12 bucks if you're a new Udemy user, 19.99 if you're an existing one. In addition, it's now available as a Kindle book or as a paperback on Amazon. You can order the book there if you prefer a different format. And as a paperback, I think it's 6.99, as a Kindle book it's 2.99. So again, very inexpensive. Obviously, I'd love to help you with coaching. At my website, you can schedule time for coaching with me or schedule a free discovery call. And if you just have a couple of questions for me, go to thebiggamehunter.us forward slash live and you can schedule 15 minutes with me or thebiggamehunter.us forward slash interviews. And what you're able to do is um, ask a question and get a response back with a three to five minute video. I'll be back soon with more. And in the meantime, I hope you have a great day. Be great!